and welcome to the Around the Table podcast with pastors Matt Smith and Nick Decker. This podcast is all about the ministry and preaching of Lebanon Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. The goal is to help you grow in your faith and spiritual walk with the Lord every single day of your life. To learn more about Lebanon Baptist Church, visit lbcnow.org. And now your hosts, Matt Smith. Hey everybody, uh, I'm Matt Smith, lead pastor of Lebanon Baptist Church, and I want to welcome you to Around the Table. Our goal at Around the Table is to help our listeners grow in their faith and walk with the Lord every single day of the week. Uh, today is actually December 21st when we're recording this uh, episode. I think it's going to air on the 22nd, uh, December 22nd. So just a few days before Christmas. And uh, we do have a very special uh, gift for this episode. I am joined today by one of our members at Lebanon, uh, Gretchen Cross. Gretchen, how are you doing today? Great. Thanks for asking me to be here, Matt. Thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to come on and to be a part of this. Um, For those that are uh, watching this episode, not just listening to it. Those that are watching, you'll notice that we're doing this uh, over Zoom. Uh, Gretchen's mom's actually coming in for Christmas and for uh, the holiday, and so she didn't want to take any chances with COVID. So we're doing this virtually and uh, thankful that we're able to do that and thankful that Gretchen has chosen to take some time out of her schedule to to be a part of this episode today. I really do believe, uh, Gretchen, that this this episode will be a tremendous help uh, to hundreds uh, of listeners, to those uh, that listen to this and watch this. And really the backdrop for this episode is uh, coming out of the context uh, of the sermon on Sunday. Uh, We have been talking about uh, missing Christmas and how we can miss out on Christmas uh, because of different factors. It can cause us to miss uh, what God is doing in the moment or even what God did on the first Christmas. And so uh, Sunday we talked about disappointment. And so um, I'm familiar, uh, Gretchen, with your story. Um, Some in our church, uh, many probably in our church, are familiar uh, with your story and with what happened uh, with your son Carson uh, back in the summer of 2016. But we also have many uh, that are listening to this, many at our church uh, that are new that may not uh, be familiar with your story. And so as we kind of interact with the sermon from Sunday and 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 go through this, I think it will be helpful. And so I just want to ask, first of all, if you could um, maybe just start by telling us, uh, telling our listeners what happened uh, to your son, Carson, if you could explain that. Of course. Love talking about him. Um, he was 14 years old. And on June 13th, he went to his first football conditioning practice and he had um, a history of sickle cell trait. We've known that since birth and he was flipping tractor tires and pushing uh, the football sleds, which triggered an event for him that we later found out was called exertional sickling event from the um, sickle cell trait. His blood started to sickle right there on the football field with that heavy exertion Um, It triggered this event, and he collapsed on the football field um, on June 13th. My husband and I, hovering only child parents, were still there, um, hidden, so he wouldn't see us because he would be embarrassed. And um, so we were there. We're both hospital. I mean, we're both medical, so we started pre-hospital care. My husband had his um, 
his vehicle, his work vehicle with him and had all medical supplies with him. So everyone brought him back up to the area where we were and we started pre-hospital care. We thought it was a heat-related injury, only though it was only 80, mid-80s that day. We didn't know what else to go by for that. So all of a sudden he collapsed. He was very healthy, um, led a very, uh, just exercised all the time. So he was very in shape, um, just wasn't used to using those different kinds of muscles to do those um, those major muscle use activity. So he collapsed and we um, started IVs on him and um, oxygen right away. He was not with it at all. So we had him, the ambulance take him to the hospital and he started to arouse at that point. At that point, we, again, were thinking he did injury and he um, eventually was lucid for about three hours with us, just not, I mean, he was responding, but just his muscles and his legs were hurting. They were like concrete because actually his muscles were dying, like as we spoke. So that's why it was hard. And, um, we thought he went into a condition that is called rhabdomyolysis. And so that was part of the factor too. admitted him to the hospital and then um, he coded again. So we um, started CPR on him right away. So he lived for another um, 24 hours and passed away on June 14th, 2016. And he um, just, it's just devastating, but through Christ, we keep going. So, yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, so just a couple details there. Um, uh, again, you, and you mentioned this, he was your, uh, Carson was your only child and, uh, both you and your husband, Carrie, you were, you were there at the practice, just kind of hiding where he wouldn't or yeah. he wouldn't see it, but you know, and you and you you mentioned that you knew he had this. Uh, he had a condition there. He had this condition, but uh, you you weren't. Ex- I mean, he'd been very healthy, active. You weren't. Ex- I mean, certainly you weren't expecting anything like this to happen. Not at all. He had a um, a sinus infection recently, and I had just brought. We had just brought them back from the beach. He and Jacob Pegram, <clears throat> they were at the beach all week with us. And they were drinking Dr. Peppers. They weren't drinking water like they should have been. So he went into it probably a little dehydrated, had a little sinus infection, was on antibiotics for 24 hours, and um, wasn't used to that kind of exertion with those muscle uses. So they, the pathologist called it a perfect storm because everything worked together and combined all that together. The the end result. Yeah. And so, um, I wanted, I wanted to just kind of, uh, ask you to, to share a little bit about, um, I mean, it hasn't been, you know, that long ago, uh, just a little over four years, I guess, uh, since that <laughs> happened, but, uh, I want to ask you what, what, um, what has the process of grief? I know, um, you and I know you, you helped start our grief share, uh, ministry here at the church, uh, just a couple of years ago. And, I want to know what, what's the process of grief been like for you and your husband? He 
and I grieve completely opposite. The very next day, he was on the field at Page High School where Carson collapsed, wanting to go through it in his mind what he walked the course that we watched our, our son walk. And he called me and said, I need you to pick me up because he was running and then just got stopped there. He had to do this. And I was so mad at him. I mean, I was like, what are you doing? Something so painful. Anyway, through grief share, I've learned that everyone handles things different. And so he had to be there. He had to go through it for his son. And uh-huh. and he does that. Uh, he did that, the, I guess, the day after uh, Carson passed. Uh, he was out there on the field kind of yeah. going back through the whole thing. What, what, what about you? What, what, how did you handle things? Um, I was surrounding myself by family and a lot of his friends. They still bring comfort to me. They always check on me. They or us, I should say, they love Papa Carey. We're Mama Gretchen, Papa Carey. But um, they, I surround myself by them because I've later learned through counseling that those kids, they're not scared like adults are to mention Carson's name. We want to hear his name called. We want to hear them talking about him. Oh, Carson would have loved this. Oh, Carson would have been out there dancing right now. We, they're, they're not inhibited by worried about if someone, you know, if we're going to make her upset, they just bring him up. So just to see where he would be at this, at each stage in his life with them, I surround myself by them. Yeah, and we'll we'll talk a little bit, I think, about this uh, uh, kind of in in a moment too, as it relates to special occasions and and you know special occasions and festivities and things, even like Christmas. It sort of creates um, opportunities for 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 this to come you know to come back to the forefront of your mind. Not that it's not there anyway, but but it kind of reopens some of that. I I noticed. I think the cap and gown is back there uh, behind you. That you know, would have been what he would have wore um, this year. He would have graduated and, and, and wore that. And, and, um, and, you know, so those kinds of moments, uh, I guess, how do you deal with times and seasons like that? I mean, do, do you, do you feel a new sense of grief during moments like that? Or what is that like when, when something like that comes up? Early on in grief, it, it's just, you're, or I was overwhelmed um, I wasn't one that would crawl in bed and stay in bed. I would get up, see everyone. You know, my house was filled all the time. When we came home from the hospital that night, church were, was here. Carrie was on the SWAT team. All his SWAT brothers were here. I, I laugh when I think that yard looked like a bunch of like little ants everywhere. It, I mean, it was packed. and. I, I, I get support from that. And of course my faith carries me tenfold. So when I have those, um, you know, seasons, um, holidays, I rely on God and my family and my friends and these kids, they, they lift me up all the time. 
Yeah, that that's uh, it's encouraging to hear. And, and you know, uh, I guess people, everyone does, like you said, they deal with it and they grieve with with things differently. Um, but for you, having people around and, and having people there uh, and still having people there and, you know, willing to talk about this and acknowledge this and, and say Carson's name and all of that is is very um, helpful and encouraging to you. I, I, I said Sunday, uh, I made this statement Sunday, I said, um, I said, disappointment hurts and, you know, it's okay uh, to let yourself feel the pain uh, that it brings. Uh, Certainly uh, what has happened has been and was, I mean, terribly disappointing for y'all, not part of at all what you were thinking or expecting. And it hurts when we go through stuff like this. And I said, it's okay to let yourself feel the pain that it brings. What would you say to that? Um, It's it's good to feel it because otherwise it will come up later and it will not come up in a good way. I don't think so. um, It's often associated with waves. And I always like to bring this up in grief share. Um, You might be in a surfer on top of the waves, riding the waves sometimes. And then you might be, the seashell getting tumbled like a tumbleweed in the wave itself. But there's going to be periods that you're kind of just chilling in between the waves and just feel it, you know, live it. I mean, let it in the beginning, it consumes you. It overwhelms you. It makes you numb because you're just in shock. But I just encourage it people to feel it, every emotion and not numb it because, you know, it, it's, it won't come back pretty in other words, if it comes back or it will come back years later sometimes. Yeah, sure. I, I, you know, I think it's, um, uh, you know, I, I try to uh, emphasize that Sunday that it's okay to feel that. And, um, you know, and certainly uh, being in grief share and, and being a pastor, I've been around others too. And we, we've been around others that, that don't allow themselves to feel that pain. And I'm just wondering, have you ever been around, you know, what's your experience been, been like, or, or what would you say to people who, who think otherwise that you don't allow for you to feel pain or uh, they don't allow for themselves to feel the pain of, of hurt and disappointment? What would you say to, to someone like that? Um, well, just no judging. I mean, it's, at first I judged my husband, like, what are you doing? Like, but then I've learned, like I said, through grief share that we're not supposed to do that. That might be the way they handle it, but pray for these people because it's going to come out in an ugly way later if they don't feel it. Um, my, one of my, um, comments on my, um, email is mom is a happy camper. And um, one of a loved one, one of my loved ones told me, I, maybe you should change your email and um, or maybe you shouldn't call Carrie dad anymore. And he called me mom. And but I know this loved one was just trying to protect us. So I, I don't know. It's just hard to. I don't judge anyone and they're not, they're just don't know. You know what I mean? They just yeah, encourage yeah. them. 
Yeah, I was going to say, I think this is a good point to just uh, interject this. I, you know, um, anytime someone goes through um, extreme disappointment or, you know, like, like in your case, uh, they go through something unexpected, uh, very hard and, and extreme uh, disappointment. I, I think um, many people, many friends and, and family members, um, especially if they haven't experienced that level uh, of pain, uh, they really struggle. I know many people struggle um, to know how to act, how to behave, what to say, what not. You know, they're very uncomfortable. I think uh, many are very uncomfortable being around someone who's going through something like that. And and I just wonder if there's anything you could uh, maybe help uh, our listeners with that maybe in a situation like that, where it may not be that they are going through some extreme disappointment, but they are around someone that is how, how, I mean, how, from your experience, how would you encourage them to, to speak and, and behave around someone, a friend like that, that they love? They just, they just don't know how to, you know, how, how to carry themselves. So <clears throat> I've always said, if you don't know what to say, just sit with them, just hug them, love them. Um, don't make them feel like, oh, that's the, that's the mom that lost her only kid. I mean, you know what I mean? Because we already feel like the elephant in the room. So go ahead and talk to us. Mention our loved ones. You know, people are worried about making us more sad if we mention Carson's name. We are already kind of baseline like that anyway. He's already on our minds all the time, just like your four kids are on your mind all the time. I mean, we carry him in our heart and we keep him on our mind constantly. So talk about it, you know, talk about, you know, I don't know. I, I say the wrong things now and I lost Carson four and a half years ago. I'll ask a friend that recently ro- lost her daughter. How are you doing? Uh, well, how do you think she's doing? I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, why did I just say that? So we all make those mistakes and it's just normal. I mean, sometimes, I mean, I'm uncomfortable sometimes, but just, if you don't know what to say, just sit with us or, you know, put your arm around us, just love us. That's yeah, just, it. Uh, be present. Uh, a lot of times right. I think uh, people um, meaning well they want to be helpful. And so they think, you know, I can say something that may be helpful, but uh, there's a, the story of Job in the scripture. If you read through that, you know, he goes through this extreme loss and, and all of this and loses all of his family and, and everything basically. And he, he has these friends that come and, and they sit with them and everything's fine until they start trying to talk. And, and then they start saying stuff and speaking on behalf of God. And at the very end of Job, you know, God is kind of, uh, he's angry at the friends of Job's because they misrepresented him. They tried to say things that, you know, that, that were not true. And, uh, and sometimes I think it just being there and, you know, not trying to say something to be helpful, but being present and just going through a normal kind of routine with you and with someone grieving would be, I guess, seems like what you're saying. A hundred percent. Yes, exactly. So, so, so let me, let me uh, transition a little bit here. Um, yeah. I mentioned Sunday there's, there's several in our church. I was, I was kind of struggling uh, myself um, just uh, going back through and, and 
reliving some of the pain of those in our church that have experienced loss this year. And I was just thinking about uh, this coming week and Christmas and all of that. And and I mentioned that there's several in our church who are going to be going through Christmas for the very first time this week without someone that they love because they they died. Um, they passed away this year. And so um, this is going to be different uh, for many. For many in our church, Christmas is going to be different this year and not because of COVID, not because of any of that, because of personal uh, issues. Um uh, related to someone not being there. And I was just wondering, you know, I, I wonder, was that was that different for you? Of course it was, but how was it different that first Christmas, um, you know, without Carson? Uh, was there anything that, uh, you, you know, you did or experienced that your story, your testimony of that maybe could be helpful to some who, you know, this week, just a couple of days after listing, they're going to be going through uh, a situation for the first time? Mm-hmm. So we don't, we didn't make any plans. We had a plan not to make a plan. And so there was no expectation for family members. Carrie and I just spent the entire day, just the two of us together. And we did stuff to honor Carson. So um, we've been so blessed by a wonderful support system that um, there's three areas in Greensboro that we have little um, honorary locations. My husband um, surprised me with a bench in Latham Park where he runs. So we went to the bench and put a poinsettia there. And then we have a stepping stone in um, two different places at Wesley Long Cancer Center and at um, Bicentennial Gardens. So we went and put poinsettias there and to, for um, our friends that lost their baby, we put one on her um, stepping stone. So we did things that weren't, were just out of the ordinary. We had a low key Christmas and actually the anticipation of it, Pastor Matt, was worse than the day itself. So ramping up to it was horrible. And then the day of it, it was, it was like, we can do this. He would want us to do this. He would want us to continue. So we just did things like that and just had a quiet day. And it was very personal and intimate. Yeah. And, uh, and, and sounds to me like you, you used that day. We're going to do things differently and we are going to feel it. We're not, you know, it, it, we're not going to try to just move on as if nothing has happened. We're going to feel it. We're going to enter into that and we're not going to block it out, but we're also not going to just, you know, kind of go through the motions. You made it, you know, kind of purposeful. Right. Right. Having purpose. That's right. And no plans. And I have an understanding family that, you know, we're not doing anything with you guys this year. Please bear with us. We'll be back. But this today, we need to be just the two of us. So. And did you, did, I guess, so did you communicate that to some of your family members? Hey, we, we, yeah. we're going to take space this year and we need to do this. And you went ahead and put that out there and said that I, I wonder if some may, may need to do something like that, but they're afraid to, I don't know, they're afraid to maybe say that. I, I don't know if you experienced any of that in dealing with people grieving during the holidays. Um, yeah, my mom was very disappointed because she hit, I, I say grandmas have double grief because they see us hurting and they can't fix it. And then they also lost their grandson. So it was hard. And 
grief sometimes feels selfish in a way because you have to figure it out. No one can fix it for you. No one can, like my best friends used to say, I want to fix this for you. And I can't, you, I, I used to tell them you can't, we have to figure this out. This is uncharted territory and we are navigating this ourselves and everything is unique. So yeah, I did. I think I disappointed my mom, unfortunately, but she understood at the same time, but she just wanted to love on us on Christmas. But it's kind of like we had to do it. You just have to take care of yourself. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, it was, it was someone that's going through physical, like a physical pain, like say they, they, they break their leg or something. Uh, everybody knows, all right, they're not going to be up and walking around, you know, for a couple of weeks, they're going to be off the leg. They're going to, you know, whatever they're, they're going to have it in a cast. They're, they're going to be, they're not going to do some of the normal things. And we, we give people time for that because it's so obvious. And I wonder with the emotional uh, pain and, and kind of the mental uh, suffering of something like this, because it's, you know, it's almost like we we put pressure on people to jump back to to normal too quick. And I think, like maybe in your mom's case, she thinks that's going to be helpful and and that sort of situation. But you need time uh, to heal. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me let me ask you this. Um, um, I said this uh, Sunday. I want to transition a little bit towards uh, maybe uh, a different uh, angle to this. I said Sunday that no no suffering, uh, disappointment. Uh, or pain is ever pointless for a Christian. Um, I made the statement that God actually designs our suffering to bring about a greater purpose. Um, That's a difficult concept to think about, but has that been true for you? Yes, I see it more so in my walk now since Carson passed, like right when he passed, I mean, I didn't really want to hear that. You know, there's a purpose for your pain and there's always a reason things happen. I didn't want to hear that right then. But now I see like one of Carson's best friends, Isaiah Fisher Smith, he um, started to come regularly to church and he just blossomed. Now he's playing football at Duke, Carson's favorite um, college. Sorry. <laughs> Only for Carson. Well, am I going to allow, am I going to allow Duke to stay in the podcast? <laughs> anyway, let me see if I got some Duke stuff up in here. I'm in, um, I actually work in his room. We, my best friend and I redecorated it and it's like a coach's locker room. So we've got, you know, all his jerseys in the back. Anyway, so it brings me much joy to work in here every day. Um, But yes, I I see so much of it now. And through me, um, I just feel like hopefully I'm shining a light to lead others to Christ um, by continuing, continuing to get up every day and walk, and breathe, and move forward, and help others. I've ministered to two moms this year closely, and um, anyway, just hopefully inspiring others that way. As far as Carson's passing, you know, I feel like there's so much that I don't know about that maybe has encouraged his friends to, maybe several got saved, after he passed. I just don't know all that, but um, I definitely 
believe that now um, I use this to, I used to use this in grief share. There's a tapestry and from the bottom where we are, all we see is a messy tapestry with dark and light threads. When we get to heaven, we can look down on that tapestry and see the dark and light was present because you had to have that different, you know, things in life that are dark and light to have a beautiful tapestry from the top and see that it was all necessary and purposeful. And I just feel like people will continue to, you know, come to Christ due to Carson's passing. Yeah. And, and that's, uh, I know, or especially early on, that would be a difficult thing to even try to process, you know, what, what could it be and, and, and all of that. And it'd be hard, I'm sure, to hear that. Uh, kind of a thought, or especially early on, and um, I, some that I have read that talk about suffering, they they point to you know after the fact, uh, once you get past some of the the pain and healing and begin to heal, that the realization that there is a purpose, you know, that there is it wasn't for nothing, you know, it wasn't. I think uh, many testify that knowing that it wasn't in vain, that, that God will use it. He's so sovereign and in control that he will use that uh, somehow. It won't go to waste. Uh, somebody said that, you know, God, uh, he wastes no sorrow. He, he doesn't waste that. He'll He'll use that somehow. And we know 2 Corinthians, this is a verse in Grief Share you and I have talked about before. 2 Corinthians 1.4 uh, tells us that God does comfort us in all of our afflictions so that we can be able to comfort others, you know, in their afflictions, the same comfort that God gives us. Paul said he then gives us the capacity to comfort others in in their suffering. I've seen that example uh, played out. I've seen that verse of scripture played out in your life and in your testimony. And uh, you just mentioned too, uh, that today, uh, you just mentioned too, a minute ago that you've this year been able to to work with and help specifically, uh, I guess, moms, you said that have lost uh, children. And so, um, I wanted to um, kind of ask you uh, this question as well uh, before we wrap this conversation up. Um, you know, pain and suffering and disappointment, it, it can very easily, you know, rob us of joy. Um, it can make us into, and, and certainly we've seen, uh, I've seen others that, that this has happened. It's made, uh, it can easily make us into miserable, depressed people. Um, I've been around you uh, enough uh, uh, to know you're not that way. You're, you know, I know from this conversation, you struggle, you grieve, you've got, you know, it's not like it's over and done with by no stretch of the imagination, but you're not a miserable, uh, depressed person. You still seem to have joy. And I just wonder how, how is there any, anything particular you can say specifically that has really helped you with that? Just, um, I always use the phrase, um, after this kind of a loss, you, you find joy again, but it may be a couple shades darker. So I, I have joy. I feed off of other people's energy. That's how I am. Um, and so just surrounding myself by it and just knowing that it's okay not to be okay. I mean, I know I'm four and a half years out, but there's no written book on you should be here now in this process. There's nothing that's written. All the stages that they used to say aren't applicable anymore because you might go from anger to um, to uh, 
sadness. You might flip back. And I mean, it's just, it's all jumbled up now is what they say, theorists say. But um, I just, just breathe. I don't know. I just take care of yourself. Exercise, drink water. I craft for happiness now. Um, I raise money for Carson's Memorial Fund to help others. And uh, we camp. We enjoy camping. Um, My husband got a Jeep, 2001 Jeep. So we cruise around in the Jeep. We just, you have to redirect your mind to find other joys in life. You cannot, that's, it's done. He's gone until I'm with him again for eternity. And you've got to make the best of your life while you're still here. And my role, I feel like, is to share my story to lead others to Christ because I have hope to, you know, to see him again. And I'll be with him for eternity at that point. So every day, every day past is one day closer to Carson is how I look at it. So, but you just got to take care of yourself. Yeah, there's a there's a verse in the New Testament that says uh, something to the effect of if in this life alone uh, we have hope, then we are of all people, you know, to be pitied the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we are our hope and your hope transcends transcends this life. It, it is an eternal hope, and the Scripture makes it clear you'll be together forever uh, because of Jesus Christ, and um, you know, and and that's what we look forward to. Um, and at the same time, uh, you know, I hear you saying at the same time, we, we live this life day by day by day uh, the right way as best we can, um, not ignoring anything, affirming, acknowledging the reality of what has happened. Uh, but we take it day by day by day. Um, and, and by doing that, by doing what you're describing, it brings meaning and purpose uh, to it. And it doesn't allow it uh, to go to go wasted. And so. Thank you for, for sharing that. I'll just ask you this last question. Is there anything else that you would like to add to this conversation? I mean, we, we, we could probably talk a lot longer, but um, is there anything else you'd like to add that maybe we've just kind of skipped over? Or you know, I wish I would said that. Well, I wanted to bring in all kinds of loss. It might not be just a loved one. It could be loss of finances, job, health, marriage, what you spoke of on Sunday. Um, just some takeaways or just don't commit to anyone. Keep your plans loose. Um, Maybe establish new or different traditions. I'm not a traditional person. I like change all the time. So it it was okay for me not to read um, Twas the Night Before Christmas on Christmas Eve. You know what I mean? So it just make things different. It's going to be a new normal um, and just, Volunteer at a soup kitchen, ring the Salvation Army bell. There's help in healing others, which you also mentioned. Um, love others now. We give to um, Salvation Angels. We do the children um, at church. Anyway, it it's going to be hard, and it's, you're going to be numb and in a fog probably, but it it does get better. Um, I know some people don't agree with time heals, but 
time doesn't heal the whole wound, but it certainly makes it better. I can see progress from when my first Christmas compared to this preparing Christmas. I mean, my tree might be a little smaller this year, you know, that kind of thing, but it, you'll, you'll get there. Yeah, I think uh, maybe a, a good understanding of that would be in and of itself, uh, in and of itself, time uh, doesn't heal, but time is certainly a factor in healing. Right. And, and different, different wounds heal differently, different people heal differently in terms of time. And so we allow for that. I hope everyone has at least uh, benefited from this uh, podcast, from at, le- at the very least, from, from understanding that concept of giving time uh, to healing and, and to healing differently. But I know this is going to be a great encouragement. Uh, to to everyone who listens and to those that watch. And so I just want to say thank you uh, for coming on uh, today. Thank you for taking time out and coming on. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. And as always, uh, our podcast is uh, sponsored by Lebanon Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, You can learn more about the ministries of Lebanon Baptist Church by visiting lbcnow.org. Thank you again for joining us. And we hope you have a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thanks. Thanks for joining us for Around the Table, a discussion all about the ministry and preaching of Lebanon Baptist Church. If you would like to learn more about Lebanon Baptist Church, visit lbcnow.org. Make sure to follow Lebanon Baptist Church on Facebook and Instagram, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.